0: You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for entrepreneur women redefining the meaning of work. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. In each episode, you will hear candid conversations with female founders, movement makers, and thought leaders to help you navigate success on your own terms. So let's get started. Hey, hey, hey. Yes, we are back with another episode and. I cannot believe I'm actually saying this, but it's already December. This year has felt like it's gone from March to June to December, almost in a blink. But then at the same time, it's felt like the longest year ever known to man. We all know why, right? But it's finally December. Christmas is around the corner. And a lot of us, i.e. definitely myself, had my Christmas decorations up already. I'm sorry, but I needed to but I have like a part-time Grinch for a partner who is very sentimental when it comes to wanting to wait until the 1st of December to begin with festivities. And I'm like the complete opposite. After summer, it's practically Christmas. So why not just put the Christmas tree up and the decorations? Like what is the point? <laughs> but today in the guest chair, we have Imelda Fossu, founder, startup consultant and business sales and marketing guru. At just 19, Imelda founded Let Us Find It, a fashion search engine that compared and collaborated on clothing from companies like Nike, Puma, Topshop, ASOS, Misguided and more. Three months after launch though, the website broke and well, things started to get a little bit interesting. From taking out personal and business loans to keep the business afloat to playing hide and seek with HMRC, we talk about it all in this episode. We talk candidly about bouncing back from failure after Imelda had to shut down Let Us Find It, to dealing with imposter syndrome after now building her new company, Drip Drop, a marketing agency. From using her knowledge and experience to help startup founders, to becoming Capital Enterprises' latest entrepreneur in residence, Imelda and I talk all about the reality of setting up and building a business. We talk about managing our ego and what it takes to bounce back from failure. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we both did. So yeah, so back in 2013, you founded Let Us Find It, a fashion search engine. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so Let Us Find It launched as a fashion search engine. So basically kind of like a Google for fashion so we would compare against kind of loads of different products, you know, in terms of fashion products. So we would compare dresses from like if you want to search black lacy dress, then it would do a comparison against like Topshop and Selfridges, and it would all be on this kind of one site. So I, I launched that in 2015 actually. So I was I was, wasn't quite wasn't quite in business for as long as as long as 2013. And yes, yeah, so I, I launched that in 2015 after I left sixth form and it blew up, you know, very quickly. We, mm. we launched in January of 2015. So I started doing it building in January 2015. We launched in the summer of 2015 and very quickly we started achieving kind of sales. In in our first month, we did like 14,000 in sales. And our second month, we did like 20,000 in sales. And, you know, we didn't hold any stocks. It was a comparison engine. Um, And we would generate revenue through commission and affiliates. I always say that I was like, this is so easy. This is great. You know, I raised investment, I had staff, and then our site, quote unquote, kind of broke. We we had issues with, it's easy just to say it broke for the techies Mm. or the non-techies. And we had issues, as you do, with the website. And that started a a, a kind of cascading effect of um, a domino effect of, I guess, just essentially for the next kind of two to three years, it's constantly been the cyclical nature of trying to raise investment. You know, Mm -hmm. I I took on a lot of debt, pumping it into the company, just trying to get back to where we were on those few launch months.
0: Yeah. And so it was just like, when I first heard your story about this, you did this out of sixth form, you were fresh out. Six form, what? Eighteen? I was nineteen,
1: yeah. Nineteen yeah, I worked years for a little
0: old, bit. yeah. And
1: then I worked for a little bit, travelled a little bit, and then I was like, you lived your life a little, a little bit, and then went straight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, how did the idea of let us find it come about, and how did you navigate it at such a very young age?
1: Yeah, so it came from a few little things. I think look at oh, like hindsight, twenty twenty. So I think looking back, I can more kind of piece how it got put together. So what I actually did in sixth form, so this was in twenty thirteen, I launched in an, um, an e-commerce brand whilst I was in school. So I was taking gold revised jeans and I was like chopping them, dyeing them, studying them. They cost like two quid, and I was like selling them on for like thirty five pounds. And that I, I ended up leveraging quote-unquote influencers not that we'd call them that then I sent mm-hmm. some to like the cast of Geordie Shore and they tweeted about it they just said thanks they didn't take a photo in it and literally it blew up overnight so I got like 100 orders and it was just me and I was like studying shorts at my part-time job and I was doing shorts <laughs> at school and I was like revising for my A-levels at my part-time job and it was like my whole world just got so mixed and because of that actual kind of like reaction I I, I you know I ended up not Fulfilling orders. And it's so funny if you search some boutique on Twitter, it's like people like love the shorts and then they're like, where are my shorts? And they're like, oh, I didn't get it for my festival. Like they came down. And I was just like, everything was a mess basically Mm. because it was just me doing it. I think that kind of gave me a first step into kind of like e commerce and fashion and stuff. And then when I was traveling, I'm seeing all these different fashion brands in Australia and and I went to Asia and I was like, it would be great if we could have a, a global website where we could compare all of these brands. So I don't have to have loads of tabs open and I can kind of, you know, check on price and stuff and that is really I think it's like kind of a few things and they all kind of came together as one I also hadn't gone to university because I flunked at my A-levels doing smoothies I've been so focused on it and I was very like kind of looking to get into business and knew absolutely nothing about tech and I literally when I was in Australia I paid this guy uh, we met up off like Gumtree and I paid him $50 for an hour to develop. And I was like how do websites make money how does Google make money how does Facebook make money mm. and I you know, and that is, to go from that, that's me at the end of 2014 to less than, so, you know, to like six months later, we're launching essentially a first tech company and I'm raising the investment. It was just complete baptism by fire.
0: Mm. One of the things, and I said it to you when I first met you, that you literally have this spirit of, I'll just go do it, I'll figure it out. <laughs> like, who thinks of, I'm going to stud jeans, whilst they're doing the A-levels and I'm going to sell it on the internet. Like who thinks that? Where exactly, or from, you know, from your first memory or earliest memory or your most sincere memory, where does that drive or that curiosity come from in terms of business, especially?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes in a lot of forms. I actually got asked this quite recently. And I think one of the best, but also one of the worst things about me is I don't, see why I can't do things like there are Mm. no glass ceilings there are no anything and I you know uh, earlier like so when I I moved back in with my mum when I came back home from it like a year you know let's say a year 18 months ago and uh, my brother and I we we changed the toilet seat just because you know it needed updating and then I was like this bathroom like needs new taps it needs new and I was like I think I could redo this bathroom literally (laughs) do the toilet seat and I was like I feel like I could redo this got on YouTube Mm. watched a few YouTube videos and like, long story short, I just, we just tried to change the taps. I broke my brother into it. We ended up like setting up a leak, like a flood, but I'm not even joking until it flooded. I had no reason in my mind that I couldn't think that, that I do could do this. Yeah. Mm. And it's just, it's not even just for business. I just have this, like I said to my mom and dad, I don't know what you imbued in me, that kind of confidence. But I'm just kind of like, oh, but yes, if he can do that, why can't I do that? Why I can do, do it. That? Yeah. I feel like I can do that. And it's, I think where it comes a lot in business is, like seeing opportunities and there's never like a, um, oh, this isn't for me. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to fill that need. I'm going to fill that Mm. gap. So I think, so I'm know i a full-on hustler. Like, I love making money. So I'm just like, oh, I could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, see,
0: literally,
1: I see some shorts and I'm like, I could I could do that. I'll Let's out. see what I can do it. with literally, that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm such a YouTube child. Like, if I can watch a YouTube video, I'm convinced. I would do it in exercise. Like, I was doing something the other week. I was trying to do this crow pose thing. And then my <laughs> mum was like... I, I hit my head really badly. I told my mum, was just like, Imelda, one of my friends is like a yoga instructor. Like that was a part of it to be a yoga teacher. That was like part of the test. And you just yeah. do it as like the first exercise. And I'm just like, why not me?
0: Well, it's I'm not impossible. The There's YouTube. I completely get that. For me, <laughs> like my first business was copywriting and I did copywriting branding and a bit of social media. And I learned everything that I knew on YouTube. I was 16. I was coming up 16 and my mom wouldn't allow me to get a job because immigrant and, you know, you needed to focus on your academics. So Mm. I thought all my friends are making money because they all have part-time jobs. I need to make money. And I was like, YouTube, like I I discovered YouTube early and I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out what I can do. And I came across like copywriting and like branding and like graphic designing. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. And I learned everything that I knew on YouTube and I started making money. And I'm very much like you, there is no glass ceiling. Like if someone exactly. tells me that I can't do something, I'm like, okay, hold my whiskey. Let's go. Yeah, Like, You know, let's figure this out. So I completely get that. When did it start to go wrong? Because it went, You like you said, it literally it escalated. It went from zero to 100 very quickly. You're working with brands like Misguided, Pretty Little Thing, ASOS, all these people. When did it start to go wrong? Yeah, there was,
1: there was a few massive kind of hiccups, but I think it was always going wrong in a way. And Mm. I just, I, I wasn't understanding it properly. So I, I, the, 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 the kind of also I don't want to say like the era because it's only like five years ago, but the kind of come- up that I was having in terms of like the entrepreneur was very when we were like hustle grind, whatever, and it was all of these like big exits and Snapchat's this and whatever, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of other companies in Manchester all kind of coming up at the same time. and I was very much with the fact that if you're losing money, like that's a good thing almost, you know, mm-hmm. because it means that you're doing it for scale. And there was a lot, which I think we're starting to question that narrative more. So there was a lot of symptoms, I think, of things being very wrong. But it was in this wider narrative of, oh, it's going to be a billion pound business. Or, oh, it's going to be this, Mm. so it doesn't matter. And, you know, if you get this celebrity deal or this thing, it's all going to blow up. And so really looking back, there wasn't really, I don't think, a time after launch where it was either we needed like two million seed and I should have done that VC route properly. Or yeah. if I'd have kept up with what we were doing, I didn't understand the difference between like a lifestyle and a performance business. I didn't yeah. understand that I was raising the investment wrong. I was giving too much equity away. I didn't understand that I was probably overpaying for labor, that I was hiring too quickly, mm. that we were taking celebrity deals and engagement metrics and clicks and traffic as you know good signifiers rather than actual sales. So it was just kind of like this humdrum of constant problems the the time when it really i think we had a few real shocks was i remember 26 so the end of 2015, or the start of 2016, I had to get rid of a lot of staff. And then again, in 2017, summer of 2017, we had been paying for a brand new website that we had based on a lot of our new celebrity deals and a lot of our new brand deals. That website should have been delivered in six months. I think we commissioned it like 2016. By summer of 2017, it still wasn't, it hadn't arrived. Mm-hmm. So it had been like 18 months. That company went into liquidation. And I remember mm-hmm. I literally dropped to the floor when, not even like crying, it was just like, I'm just done kind of thing. Yeah. And when that happened, I should have gone, jig is up, let's leave it kind of stuff. But we carried on for about three months after. And that mm. is actually when I racked up most of my debt. When we had like, that was most of the issues because I think at that point I should have gone, we can't That's launch, enough. we can't relaunch, we're done now. But we tried to honour the celebrity contracts. So I think then you just kind of, if you're doing Hail Mary's, it's too, you know, you're too yeah. far gone.
0: Yeah. One of the things you said, especially when we met, you talked about how you racked up like just over 100k of debt. Please, how? At 22, <laughs> so <was> like,
1: how? <laughs> it sounds like one of the stories you tell down the pub or something now. But I'm like, yes, hey, it does. <laughs> For a pint. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I feel like I'm, I'm always super public with it. First, if you do a quick Google, my name is out there. So I think I'm always trying to get ahead of it now. Like, oh, by the way, mm. this is me. But yeah, so I think over the course of, you know, I want to say, so we launched a business when I was 19, over the course of like two, three years, which is really up until the business ended, every time we had like a dip in the business in terms of we couldn't cover, we would, it looks like we couldn't cover wages or if we needed to invest in the tech or anything like that. I, would take, I was taking on personal loans, I was taking on loans from friends and family. Everybody who did really believe in the business, it wasn't like we were like, oh god we're just you know yeah. this is terrible well you know whatever it was like oh it's okay you know you'll pay us back in a few months and so we would raise investment and then they're like oh you know it's fine keep it in the business and I was very much like oh it's going to be okay we kind of kept going through these dips a lot of which were fueled by the fact that I was taking on these loans and raising investment and stuff we would carry on going but when that company went into liquidation. Who was deliver their new website. And then ultimately when we kind of, you know, had to get rid of a lot of the staff and wind the company down. It was like, I was just left holding mm. this like bag of crap, basically of all these horrific loans. It was already starting to become an issue because my repayments for the loans by the time that I was getting rid of the staff was about four grand a month. So mm. This is like before anything else. So I was just like, no, we we had a like our our, our wages, sorry, our, our labour costs for staff sometimes were 15 grand a month and we're plugging this investment. So really like two grand or something, it wasn't getting, and then it started like amping mm. up and as you're trying to cut down. I started realising that, hey, I can't cut this down. And then when things started going bad after we ran the company down and I wasn't making anything, couldn't raise investment or whatever, the whole thing was just, we weren't making any money from brands who weren't doing anything. That's when I was like, oh shit. This
0: is yeah. not good. Yeah, that's when you you, you realise like, mm, this is it now. How It did was real
1: you... naivety in a way.
0: Hmm. Go on.
1: Yeah, it's just, I think it, it was, for me, it just always felt like a short term, okay, Yes, yeah, so I'm going to take this. I remember one of them, the interest rate was like, it's 50% APR or something. So you actually ended up paying back. <gasps> yeah, double, double the length <laughs> of the loan over the loan term. And I was like, do you know what, let's just, because I, I couldn't get approved for much stuff. I was like, do you know what just take it or we'll, we'll pay it off
0: in three mm. months. And it
1: was always these like high risk gambles of yeah. banking on the next big payment or banking on the next whatever. But because we're always running at a loss, I then, if that payment came in, put it on staff. Mm. So it, it was just messy, 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 messy. And
0: how did you pull yourself out <laughs> of, walk us yeah. through how you pulled yourself out of that.
1: Yeah. So I think I just went, like I said, like, I don't want to say I'm a full-on hustler because I think it makes it sound like I'm like constantly doing shady stuff. But
0: what
1: <laughs> <laughs> what what I will say is like again, I think on that one it was very difficult. I don't want to say like oh it was a good mindset or whatever because it wasn't. I had taken on uh, you know a lot of my mum was guarantor on stuff. I had family members who had given me loans. I couldn't. I didn't have the option to just kind of be like oh well this didn't work. Sorry everyone, I'm moving on with my life. It was very mm. much like, okay, what can I do? And I had to look at it in a very clinical sense of like, okay, what am I good at? What can mm. I kind of like sell myself out as? And I had to really look back at everything I did and let us find it, which was also incredibly painful and just kind of look, okay, so what am I good at? And one thing that I was very good at was, you know, like raising investment, marketing sales um and this is stuff I've done in the past and really actually what that really distills back down to even further what I've realized is I'm very good at stirring up a lot of energy and making a lot of sales for stuff like if you give me something I can go out and sell it and get attention on it and get engagement and that's now been kind of niched even further I do, but initially it was kind of like sales and marketing, particularly for startups. It was like, if you want your first initial sales, if you want to, you know, test your market, you know, make that initial bits of revenue, then that was what I ended up doing. And it, you know, it kind of also went back to the beginning in terms of like, there's something that I was that I was reading it's Nathan Barry talks about the the different ladders of wealth creation
0: Mm. and
1: at the base it's like getting a job and then it's kind of like going freelance kind of thing that's like one of the next steps at the top of the ladder is like a tech company that's like one of the most difficult things to do and it was like I went straight to the most difficult obviously it's also the most profitable when you look at like uber google all the rest of it and it was like, I've had to kind of slowly go through all of these ladders and these journeys. And, and it and it changes to like agency and like delivery, you know, creating a product and whatever and doing mm. a productized service. They get more advanced. And looking back now, I had to go right to the, okay, being a freelancer, being self-employed, working with a bit of contractors, and go from there. So... Mm. I kind of had to go right back down to the roots You had to start right back at the
0: beginning, yeah. yeah. And how have you dealt with the self-esteem issues that come with, okay, this did not work out? Because ultimately, let us find it failed. You know, we're looking at the grand scheme of things and from a business terminology, it failed. How did you make peace with that failure? And how have you dealt with the self-esteem issues that come with that?
1: Yeah, so I'm just laughing because I did couldn't even say that the business failed until mm-hmm. like twenty eighteen. And I couldn't say it failed because I thought like, well, the company's still active on company's house. So no, it hasn't failed, it's still an active business. So I don't know what you're on about, Katie. It was like that. It was yeah. like <laughs> you're wrong, even though we're not doing anything about company anymore. Technically it's still active. So it was very <laughs> much like it was very much like that. Mm. And I think, you know, I said quite I've, I've, I've said before that for me it was, it was also really difficult because I kept having waves of almost like I mean I had to go to a counsellor for some of this stuff like I kept mm-hmm. having waves of like all of this guilt and like it was like you, you kind of get hit with it again and again and yeah. there was one where I, I you know I said like I'm, I remember I was at home and I just I'd, I had to move back home and I just went through to my mum like crying like hysterically and I'd been in the bath of all places and I was suddenly thinking about the fact that it just opened went like equity in the company to me and I ended up we couldn't do a deal with him because I didn't want to give him enough equity and I yeah. went through to a woman he just got, he was being tipped for James Bond and all these other things and I think yeah. it would like all been and I was like what if we had just signed it just over and everything <laughs> would have been alright like I was so arrogant and my mum just literally like, got on my shoulders and she was just like it still would have failed. And it would have been so much worse because Idris Elba would have been a shareholder. And I was like, Mm. so right. Like I I was probably being saved from something there. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like... That could have
0: been a lot worse than it was.
1: A hundred percent. I think self-esteem wise, it has taken me probably up until the back end of last year in a lot of ways. I think I'm still sometimes seeing the reverberations from it now in that I doubt myself a lot in stuff. Or like for example, we are like I've just hired my first full-time member of staff again since Let's Find It. And I got a little bit of like <gasps> you know, and it was just mm. like it's scary doing the whole PAYE and you're responsible for somebody and you know I have contracts and stuff but this just felt different. And I spoke to somebody and I said, you know, you are not the same person as you was five years ago. But mm. I do even now it's just kind of like, you don't want to go it through still It still sneaks again.
0: in, yeah. And, and how do you deal with that imposter syndrome? Because obviously when you've gone through something like that, how do you now deal with, you know, like you said, I'm not the same person anymore, but how do you actually deal with it when it comes up? You know, when the thought of, oh my God, this is going to fail again, because now you have, you have your own business now and you work as a consultant. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with, you know, I actually can do this and I can mm-hmm. follow through with this?
1: I think. I try and look at everything a lot more clinically. So I get little flashbacks such as, okay, so all right, so I'm having to give somebody full-time hours. Oh, I had full-time staff at Let's Find it. I just mean, if it's going to fail again, it's very much mm. like that. And it's like, you have to, I have to see that everything's different. So first off, it's funny you just said about me being a consultant. So I still do contract work and consultancy work. So I try not to make me, put. I try not to make me in the business one, which was one of the key things I did at let us find it. So there's yeah. always, Different places now I can go to in terms of like have, have safety nets. Mm-hmm. It's even just stuff like this business is actually making money. I don't raise investment. We're, we're bootstrapping. We do everything out of cash flow. That's a completely different thing. I have to look at things differently. So I guess I try and look at everything clinically. But in terms of the imposter syndrome, I don't know, like without getting too kind of spiritual, I have to do a lot of self image work, I have to write mm-hmm. a lot of affirmations. I have to get myself into this yeah. zone. And I also have to forgive myself a lot of the time and remind myself, look, you're not that person anymore mm. because that is where a lot of this comes from is you kind of go back. It's almost like going back to being like a scared little child kind of thing. I kind of go yeah. back to being like this scared, even the fact I was thinking to myself that when I had a little spider, I had no mentor. I, mean, I don't really officially have a mentor now, but I had nobody even really to talk to other than like my mom. I mm. now can ring up, 15 entrepreneur friends, 15 people who are above me, 15 people who are below me, 15 people on the same level as me to yeah. bounce off so much stuff. I never had that before. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps a lot because before it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> and how important like...
0: is that community? Because I know for me, it's very important, like building Work Thrive. Mm-hmm. People underestimate how hard it is to actually build a business. I think I 100%. I know that entrepreneurship is so trendy right now, but people really do underestimate how difficult it is to build a business mm. and then scale. How important mm. is it to have that community? I know for me, it's very important. I have a circle of entrepreneur friends who work in go and cry to all the time. But for you, how important is that?
1: So important, so important for me. I think as well, when I say that, So I thought at 19, you know, I traveled for a bit. I'd gone to school, whatever. And, you know, you think you're you're grown. You think you're like, you know, I was ready to be CEO and stuff. And even now, so like... Doing the, working with other startups, consulting as an individual in really helps me. Contracting in other businesses helps me so much. And I never mm. realized that because I never really had that like first proper job, if that makes sense. And kind of where, being able to go to all these, you know, different people and also like having a network and building up a network. I never understood when people said like, oh your network is your network and stuff because I'd never had like a proper job before I'd never you know I had friends in mm. that but I, I didn't have that having that professional network having that so important having people that you can learn from and you know go to yeah I, I absolutely adore it I don't I really sometimes I'm gonna say I don't know how to did without it but obviously I didn't do very well so I don't think <laughs> I have I I had an echo chamber of of staff who oftentimes I was always trying to get them to put their ideas forward. But what I was really looking was for people to challenge me and people to guide me. And yes, they would say, Oh, you know, change the comfort photo here and change the whatever, but nobody could tell me how to run the company. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that was what I that was what That's I needed, what you needed to help me with that. Yeah. And now Got to have that from like every which way from all of my kind of like entrepreneur friends and professional friends and stuff. Yeah. I think it's so needed. You've got that
0: pool of experience to pull onto, don't you? Yeah. You now work, you work as a partnerships manager at Foundervine as well, working with startup companies. What are the top mistakes you see newbie entrepreneurs make?
1: I think that. There's so there's a there's a blog and a sorry podcast that I've listened to recently called the Sweaty Startup, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I believe in everything that he kind of puts out, but he he talks about he says the Sweaty Startup as. Entrepreneurs did not see themselves as entrepreneurs, so there may be unsexy businesses. So that might be in construction, or it might be doing cleaning, or it might be whatever. Mm. And he says that oftentimes we romanticize and we push forward this idea of an entrepreneur has to change the world and have to do this great big business that nobody else has ever thought of before. And he was like, entrepreneurship mm. doesn't have to look like that. You can do something in your local area. You can do something in a market that there's already people there, and you are still an entrepreneur. And so... What I think I see a lot of new entrepreneurs do is they are trying to, to be the next big Uber and be the next big Snapchat mm. and and do this big moonshot, which is it, what they don't understand. And I, I've been there with a lot of Spindit. Is you know, unfortunately. The kind of the hallways, these VC doors are littered with the bodies of all of these startups who were all of these big moonshot ideas. You can have Mm. a business which is very simplistic, but you can put a different spin on it by making it digitally enabled, by giving next level service, by doing something which is unseen and different in the industry. And you can achieve big business through that. And I think we try and overcomplicate things too much. You know, I I talk a lot about business systems can be boiled down into three, possibly four sections, which is customer acquisition, marketing, finding new customers, two, conversion, that's sales, you know, being able to convert those customers, and three, value delivery, that's products and operations, being able to deliver at high quality. If you get those three right, you have a business, you know, like yeah. it's, it's no more difficult than that. And we've let us find it. I didn't have one. I didn't have two and I didn't really have three. Okay. Maybe I had one because we could jump up a lot of interest. And if it's, it, you know, if you just boil it down to that and it's this little tick list of one, two and three, and you're making a profit, then you can scale exponentially. I think we overcomplicate things sometimes by trying to do AI ML this, GPT-3 this, whatever, you know, it's like all of this, and it, it ends up being like, do you have those three key components to build and scale a business?
0: Yeah. Well, that's because we kind of live in a society where everybody wants to be, you know, they want to create the next Google or Microsoft or Apple or Uber. And People, like you said, they over-exaggerate and over-complicate what actually needs to be done. You know, you need to deliver value. You need to figure out a way to create revenue, and you need to know how to market mm-hmm. it. It's very exactly. that. It's just really that simple. But people get caught up in the lifestyle of being a founder and the yes. lifestyle of an entrepreneur, and they forget. I think it's an ego
1: thing. I think it, we it all it is an really absolute an ego next- thing you want to be the next Zuckerberg or we want to say we invented this or we want to say we did X Mm. amount of rays and you know you and I can say you know distilling those down to those three those three key things are very simplistic but executing on those are actually very difficult and so I'm very you know if anybody comes to me I'm just kind of like go and do go and try and do those three things for the next year and then come back to me with the world-changing idea Uh, but get that core stuff right because you know when gosh when when people won't send you their idea or they're worried about patents or all of this other stuff it's it's like we get so much on the fluff and you know like you say that kind of idea of I want to do this and I raised x million and oh yeah
0: yeah it's 100% an ego thing and I see all the time I'm you know I'm, I'm around entrepreneurs all the time I you know I have friends who start founders who have friends who have started founders. So I get to see it. And especially in the tech world, you know, everybody wants to have the next big thing in the tech world. And that can almost, you know, it causes that romanticization of, of entrepreneurship and the business mm-hmm. world. And a lot of people don't think of systems and operations. They don't think beyond the idea. They just think, Oh, this is a great idea. Like you said, it's the execution that actually Mm. the idea itself is quite simple, whatever. You can, it's three things. The execution of that is very difficult, it's very complicated, and it takes a lot of effort and patience Mm. and delayed gratification, which is something I think our generation don't like waiting and working for a lot of Mm. things. It's a I got an idea, I want to go get funding, give me the money. And once you give me the money, I, what do I do now? (laughs) You know, that delayed gratification piece is so important. You have had to go from peak success at one point where everything was working together to, okay, very rapidly it started to fall and you had to start from the bottom. That takes a lot of humility and grace and patience I guess in your experience, how did you even deal with that having to work and wait at the same time with hopes that, you Mm -hmm. know, something's going to work out this new idea or, you know, these skills that I'm developing and that I'm Mm -hmm. adding on to what I've already been able to create through Let Us Find It is going to reap something good.
1: It was really hard. There was some big times when, so, you know, initially I was kind of deep in the debt and I remember thinking to myself, God, if I could just go get a job now and be done with this, like I probably would. I think at my core, you know, I like consulting and contracting and, you know, going for like different stints and different positions and stuff, but to kind of say, that's it, I'm just doing nine to, nine to five for the rest of my life. I don't think is it, very me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ever really has been. I think, you know, in terms of the the watching and the waiting, like, the, you know, you said about having kind of humility and that grace, it was really hard. Uh, I remember one time I was doing freelance work and I, I think I was making four grand a month. And this was probably more money than I'd ever brought in first under freelance, but just in general in my life and Mm -hmm. four grand a month in, I probably had four grand a month going out. And -hmm. I remember just like crying and crying, crying. Cause I just remember thinking like I'm earning, not this is a comparison, but you know, I just remember thinking like I'm earning more than all of my friends around me and I'm skinned and I'm broke all the time because I'm paying for all of these mistakes. And it was very much like, I always just say, once I've got that debt off my back, like the world isn't going to be ready. Like, and I just knew that it's it, this is this is a waiting game, and have to kind of keep at it. Luckily, I was able to accelerate that kind of process. It's also extremely difficult trying to grow a quote unquote business, even if it's just me freelancing. When every single penny that's coming in, you're yeah. having to push out. It's kind of like you're you're robbing that business of its of its lifeblood a little bit. But ultimately, what I also had to stop doing was stop putting stop putting pressure on myself, which I had this timeline in my head of, I found a notebook that I wrote. It was so ridiculous when I was 19. And it was literally like, this was like my life plan. It was like, launch business. It was like, say that was like 2015. And then it was like, make, let us find it. Like, sell, oh, sell, let us find it. That was it. That was step two. And then it was three, retire at 25 and have kids. And I was like, oh, that was a really good, <laughs> really intricate plan you had there, Melder. Pressure. you really it only wanted like, to work for like five years no, honestly but it just killed me as well it was like launch business sell business I, was just like, okay, <laughs> I don't was like, want to be business. in this for too long <laughs> was like, was like all the instructions I gave to myself, to myself it was just we launched we sell and you know I had to put a lot of take off a lot of time pressures for myself a lot of this came came from me about if I wanted to I think we put this on ourselves for women as well a lot of, I want to do this X amount of years and then I want Mm -hmm. to like go be a mom or I want to focus on my personal life. And I didn't think I could have both. A lot of what actually eased Mm -hmm. up the pressure with me on a business sense was I stopped putting pressure on me to find the perfect guy and get married by X date. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of started seeing I started trying to look at my life as like, you know, I, I really thought to myself, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? And I thought, I want to do this every single day for the rest of my life. Okay, so what matters if you, you get this business in this decade, in the next decade or in your 40s, yeah. like as long as I'm moving towards it, who cares? Because like, this is all I want to do every day anyway. So like, and mm-hmm. if it never comes to fruition, then the whole journey of chasing it is enough for me. And once I started to get more enjoyable, I think a bit about in the journey and the process, and learning and less about the end result I Mm -hmm. took a lot more pleasure from it and then it was a lot like if you get bumps in the road who cares because it's all a learning process to me and I really started enjoying the problems rather than everything setting me back because it was like this is making me a better entrepreneur this is making me better in the business every contract role I go to I extract things for myself so I can Mm -hmm. learn better every you know it, it was just like it became this whole enjoyable thing and also I started trying to look at my start, my life as, am I moving in a positive direction or am I moving in a negative direction? doesn't matter how fast or slow it's going. And I do this like with my weight and stuff as well. Like, okay, you put on a few yeah. pounds, but is the weight, is it like in a downward trend? Are you eating mm. healthy on most of the days? And I started looking and like, I, I think I always have these dips. I always say yeah. I always have these dips with money, especially. So I'd be like, okay, this is a dip. I'm feeling it here. And then I go and mm-hmm. get make some money and then this is a dip. And we had something, it's only the other month. And it was like, you know, I think I made a loss in the business account and I was really upset. And then I remember it, like this month is, is our biggest month ever. And mm. I was like, wait, that was a dip. And I barely even felt it. And it was mm. like, the, the dips have got less. And I started, same with the debt. Okay, you know, I missed the payment on this, whatever. But is it is was it a downward trend? Are we getting better? Are we moving forward as time's going on? That was a very long answer yeah. to the question, sorry. But that no, is but I completely. Begins.
0: No, completely on that. It's for me, the joy, I always say the joy is in the journey because when you obsess over that destination, you literally cannot enjoy the journey at all because all you're thinking is I want to get there and I'm not there yet. But when you actually put yourself in a position to say, you know what, actually the journey is single-handedly the most important part because I'm learning so much. I'm becoming this new person. I'm you know, I'm meeting all these new people. And really that is what life and entrepreneurship is about. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just, oh my God, I have this great product or this great service. It's okay, this is who I am. And this yeah. is, you know, an extension of who I am. And I get to bring this thing into the world and I get to share this journey with everyone. I mean, for example, I mean, just look at Instagram. You know, mm-hmm. when I was on Instagram a couple of years ago, just seeing that journey from what Instagram mm-hmm. was when you were, you know, sharing these ridiculously looking photos with these Mm, stupid filters filters on them, like, you know, like with those filters on them, with your family and friends to seeing Instagram now going into a, pretty much an e-commerce system. Mm, It's mm. incredible to watch that, that journey in -hmm. itself versus thinking, oh my God, where's Instagram going to go next? I need to get there. I need to keep up with it. All that stuff. Mm -hmm. That journey in itself is beautiful. And I think a lot of the times As entrepreneurs, you know, as people who are business minded, we obsess over that destination, over the final Mm -hmm. product. You know, I always say the point of entrepreneurship is to innovate. And when you're innovating, there is really no end journey at all. Mm -hmm. Like there is always something that you can change. And so we've got to be committed to the journey because that destination will look differently depending on what era that we're in. And we both know that, you know, COVID's happen, if that doesn't Mm -hmm. tell you that there are certain things, we cannot always control the destination, but we can manage the journey.
1: And I think we can focus as well. So like what I've been sharing on my Instagram recently is something that I've been doing probably personally for kind of like the last year or so, which is as my year goes, I try every, every, all of my achievements, no matter how small, it can be something so silly on a business sense. And it mm-hmm. could be, you know, I learned this, we achieved that, we whatever. And yeah. even though I'm not where I quote unquote want to be, it was like, oh crap, I did a whole load this year. And when I started looking at it like that, you have a lot more kind of positive energy mm. on, you know, and even, you know, I started doing it as wins and learnings. And I even try and take like the learnings as a positive. We just had something happen and um, the other day where we, you know, we did a, a thing, an event for a webinar for a client that we managed. We sold out the webinar and we do these week in, week out for clients. And we forgot to put the Zoom link in the webinar so nobody showed up. So the client is mm. super mad. Now I was mortified really upset that is a quote unquote learning but I was like okay we need to improve our internal operations to make sure that never happens again and then now this has been totally like a new positive because we've got this fantastic system now of like how to log an issue how it gets resolved how we can manage all our events going forward and so that for me Mm. in a in a weird way it's felt like a win we we did we did a little bit for clients that end up being a positive for them as well but like it's just like you can take it all You know, you can make what you want of it rather than letting that knock my confidence and letting it take me back to a place.
0: Yeah, it's that lessons learned. I mean, I work in project management and like lessons learned is is so incredibly important in the work that we do. And that learning those lessons prepare you for the next project or for the next operation or for the next, you know, business. And we have to again, it takes humility and it takes sitting your ego to the side to say, you know what, this didn't go to plan. However, Mm -hmm. this is the lesson and now I know better and when I know better, I'll do better.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So my final question on this before we go into the Fast Five round is say, okay, it's 2020, I want to start a business, I have an idea, where do I begin?
1: For me, I begin by testing the market. So Mm. I don't mean that you have to, don't set up an MVP, don't whatever, I mean, I would do that from set up a landing page or set up a very bad, bad version of your product. And, you know, for me, I, I do a Facebook ad. Does anybody click? Does anybody sign up? Does anybody give their info? Mm-hmm. That for me is like, okay, I've got something that's a goer here. When I started doing virtual CEO I launched it with a landing page and then I kind of did that to friends and family and quite a lot of people like registered and stuff and my network. Then I did, you know, a very bad version of the platform on Notion. We we started taking sales from that and it wasn't perfect, but that was me testing the market because people, random strangers on from, you know, from via my Facebook advertising started signing up to it. That was me testing the market and I was able to do that within three weeks which is really kind of crazy if you think about it. So there's a lot where make a WhatsApp group, you know, you can do it via Slack, you can do it via Excel or Airtable. We have all of these so much no code tools and software and stuff. Mm
0: -hmm. So much
1: you can do with it to do a really, really horrible, crude version of your product, but to deliver it in a way that still achieves that end goal or that mission and, and try and make some just go try and get some customers from it and you learn a lot just from doing that before you try and invest loads into a big platform or a big whatever
0: yeah because you want to make sure that there's a market for it and that people actually want to buy whatever you're selling you know it can't just be an idea like we said you need to have that revenue you need to have that sales
1: that's the first thing i do now i like sell it and I don't like pre-sell it because some people they'll do like a pre-order or whatever I always launch a really bad version or I do something that will really like okay if that comes in then I can you know do this or whatever which is again me being a bit of a hustler but that's just you can improve it charge premium. Exactly.
0: exactly. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I completely get that. So now we're going to go into the fast five round where I'm going to ask okay. you five questions and you just let me know the first answer that comes to mind. Is that okay? Okay.
1: Okay. okay.
0: Tell me about a software resource or app that's helped with your business or work that you'd recommend.
1: I like free agent a lot, the accounting software. It's so geeky because I'm really not the numbers person, but it is fantastic for being able to track what exactly is going in and out of your business and what areas. And you Mm -hmm. can also do projected cash flows, which I adore. So yeah, that is probably my my top one that's helped me grow.
0: Yeah, I I, I will definitely be keeping, I'll be going to my Googles tonight on that one. (laughs) What is a personal habit that's helped you in life and work?
1: Personal habit that's helped me in life and work. I read every day. That again probably sounds quite geeky. I could say like, oh, I, you know, I wake up at seven every morning and I meditate, but I don't do that consistently. Yeah, we know you know so, I go for, <laughs> for a and I whatever. Like, I, can, I can I can pretend, but I read. I read every night before I go to sleep. I read like a business book or whatever I'm reading at the moment, and it, it just always super helps me. And um, sometimes I read stuff and it's not
0: relevant at the moment, and then I go back and I love mm. it. So. That's a good slider for this one. Tell us about a book, a podcast or event that's helped you significantly in the past year.
1: It's called The Nuclear Effect. I can't remember who wrote it, but it is a very new book. It's a fantastic book. And you know, I just said about the kind of three elements of like a business system. Mm-hmm. He kind of splits it into six. Nuclear Effect by Scott Oldford. Um, it's quite a new book and he splits it into kind of like marketing, sales, operations, product and finance. Mm. And the way he talks about all of them and all about his own journey as well, very much already kind of my ethos, but he goes into even more granular detail. And I've read that book probably like three times already and I still keep going back to it. So it's really, mm. really useful.
0: Yeah, again, adding that to my air <laughs> tonight. <laughs> um, one lesson like, this you have is just learned. For me. I know this is for me. <laughs> I'm just collecting all this information for me. What's one lesson you have learned in the past year that's helped with your professional and personal development? Taking, trying to
1: take rest time, which sounds so stupid and like yeah, duh. But I um, I always say I'm, and I feel like I'm never at work and I'm never off work. Like it's mm. just always something that I'm doing. I try and take at least one day a week to just kind of like, and I like to either watch like kids' films or something that, you know, just doesn't, you know, like Harry Potter. You know, literally like Harry Potter, like Lion King or like something like Shark Tale, something that I watched a Mary Kate and Ashley like film the other week and it's just, you know, something that's just like really cute and like reminds me of my childhood. Does not make me think. Doesn't trigger a thought about business. Basically, if I watch mm. something that's like The Big Short or something like uh, the Founder, like Ray Krog, I'm yeah. I'm inter- I'm back in the world where it's not being, Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like that's my guilty pleasure. Basically, going to, like the kids and family section on Netflix and being like same one hundred percent.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've literally watched like Shark Tale and like gone over <laughs> Moana over and over again. I'm like my brain needs a rest. Because you watch just, stuff like The Founder or The Social Network and it's just like immediately yeah. just like, oh my God, and then this, and then you grab your laptop and then yep. back in that mode. That or
1: real reality TV crap, like 90 Day Fiancé, something which is just, you know, like it's almost <laughs> nonsensical. And I'm just like, I need this to, 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 to turn <laughs> to my brain to for the day. Yeah, just do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And finally, what's a word of advice you would share with women who are working to cultivate their own thriving careers and define their own version of meaningful work?
1: I think it would be that to, I want to say just like have confidence and have like a bit of faith. I think oftentimes as, as women, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We put a lot of doubt on ourselves. I think we're held in some ways to kind of a higher standard in like a global sense of what's expected of us. And I think you can have it all. That's what I always say to everybody. Mm -hmm. You can have it all. And I think we often do this toss up or this playoff of, I know for myself, it's like relationship or business or family Mm -hmm. time or whatever. And, you know, or kids or career and you know a career or business and you know we you can do it all you can have it all you can also you know live a well-balanced life or whatever you choose so don't be afraid to go for it for any of those reasons
0: yeah that's brilliant I'm literally the same I've always been like oh if I you know if I go full-fledged with my career what's going to happen with family what's going to happen with friends blah 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 and I've just thought you know what well, actually um, find friends who get it be around people who get it and, and yeah. build the kind of, create the kind of life that I want that allows me to integrate everything. And that takes time, but absolutely.
1: But you 100%. can, but you can get there. And one of the things that I've realized is sometimes I get so, I'm a massive overthinker and I also think to the future a lot. It helps me a lot in business, doesn't help me a lot in like life, which is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is like, you know, sometimes I will become so oh but if I have this then well does that does that part of my vision drop away and mm. can I can I how do I make them all fit together so much so that I don't move towards what I want mm. and what I've realized is that when you actually take steps towards what you want it all fits into place anyway how, how it's meant to and so I'm kind of again I think it's a little bit of like you rob your you rob your today of worrying
0: about tomorrow out tomorrow yeah absolutely Brilliant. and so you
1: know move towards it definitely.
0: Mm, yeah that just blessed me right there so thank <laughs> you <laughs> before i let you go where can we find you on the socials
1: at Imelda Fosu on instagram and twitter and Imelda Fosu on linkedin
0: thanks for listening to work the podcast if you liked this episode don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcast as it allows other entrepreneurial women like yourselves to find the show speak soon